0: It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast brought to you by the South Carolina Department of Education's personalized learning team. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I am your host, Carrie Beach, and I just want to say, Happy New Year to everyone listening. We hope that your New Year's off to a great start. For this episode, we're going to throw it back to an episode that we recorded back in 2020. And this episode is going to be all about some subtle shifts that you can make in your classroom practice as the New Year's underway to help make learning student-centered for all students that you serve. We hope you enjoy. some very special guests with us today. My fellow coaches Kristen Logan and Nadine Groh Ladies if you could just introduce yourselves to everyone and tell us a little bit about your professional background before becoming personalized learning coaches. All right, so I'm Kristen
1: Logan, um, and before I became a personalized learning coach at the Office of Personalized Learning, I taught for 10 years as a fifth grade teacher, really experimenting with how to meet my students' needs through um, differentiated learning, and then after that, I became an instructional coach at a middle school for five years, um, where I really looked at how to personalize PD for my teachers, as well as helping them um, look at how to personalize learning for their students with the support of the Office of Personalized Learning. Nice.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Nadine Gro. I also taught for 10 years, but mostly in the primary, uh, first and second grade, and I also had several multi-age classrooms. And I really believe that was the catalyst to wanting to learn even more about how do I personalize learning now that I have two grade levels and knowing how hard it is already with a range of learners just in one grade. Um, I have been a math leader in my district before and also able to help spread some of the personalized learning in my, in my school as a teacher leader. And I think, um, you know, what really got me here is my passion for just knowing that this is what's best for kids, seeing what impact it made in my classroom, how my students would go home at the end of the day, excited to continue learning, mm-hmm. and so I'm extremely excited to be a coach now and can definitely empathize with the amount of work um, and heart that goes into this um, profession.
0: So I know that um, we do a lot of PD, we do a lot of professional development and um, teachers and educators in the field always want to know when they find out about personalized learning and how it's so different from traditional, um, the way we've traditionally done education. The first question is, how do I do it? Where do I get started? Um, And so with that in mind, we're going to kind of engage in a conversation around how a teacher could move from doing things that would be considered best practice to um, personalizing learning for their students so to do that to facilitate that conversation we're going to play a game so for those who are listening we have a a cup in front of us that has um, a bunch of strips of paper and on those strips are um, various um, best practice teacher best practices Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to pull from the cup and then we're going to engage in some conversation around how a teacher who's using that specific strategy could take it to the next level and turn that into more of a personalized approach. So hopefully for those of you who are listening and tuning in for the first time or maybe um, this isn't your first time but maybe this is your first time engaging in or thinking about um, how to shift your practices hopefully this will be helpful for you. So To get started, I'm going to let Kristen choose first. (laughs) All right. Okay,
1: so it says end of lesson quiz or assessment done on the same day. Okay,
0: so pretty much um, if you're a teacher, you have to give tests and quizzes and assessment. And assessment is kind of like the way that we can tell whether or not a student actually has learned what we've taught them. So um, I know when I was growing up, we had quizzes on Fridays. I mean, Friday was quiz day and you knew that you had your quiz and whether you were ready or not, I mean, you have to take it. So how could a teacher who is, you know, used to just giving a quiz, putting in the grade book and moving forward to the next lesson, how could they change that to more of a personalized approach? What do y'all think?
1: Um, I think for me, the first thing I would say, um, Carrie, is just I'm really glad that you're coming at it from this angle of best practices because there's a lot of things that teachers are already doing that will help personalize learning. It's just being intentional about it and kind of shifting it just a little bit. So I think that's really um, I'm excited about this conversation. But when I think about like the the end of end of uh, week quiz or end of lesson quiz, um, it almost makes me think of just, Exit slips. So chunking them into smaller pieces um, and just thinking about how um, not all kids are going to be ready to take it on the same day. It's still good to get that information, but um, maybe instead of having a designated day, it's more of a there's a certain checkpoint in your in your plans where you know when the kids get to this point. Let's see what they know, mm-hmm. um, and so that is a little bit of a shift because some kids might take it on Monday, some kids might take it on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, and but that way you'll know that they're ready to take it, and then you can use that information to help tailor, you know, your instruction for the next day for them.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think that's important to know. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the purpose of the quiz? Mm-hmm. And it's not to catch them, right? Mm-hmm. And not knowing. It's really to know where to take them next. And I think it's incredibly important, no matter what we're doing, that we're using that to inform our instruction mm-hmm. for the rest of the week, maybe for the month, um, and that we're using every opportunity that we can to learn more about our kids and how they learn and what they what they need. So that's where really analyzing the data, instead of just taking it and sticking it in the grade book, mm-hmm. now going back and dissecting that a little bit and seeing where some of the gaps are or what learning these students already have um, in order to personalize their learning the next day, so I, yeah, I think that's really important.
1: And I would almost add on Nadine, um when I think about so that's what you're you know you're talking about what you're doing with the assessments mm-hmm. um, and knowing the importance of of why you're assessing them. I think even before that is also like thinking about when I'm planning my unit or my lessons, I'm mm-hmm. thinking intentionally about. Um, well, what checkpoints do I need to put in place and mm-hmm. think about like um, maybe there's a certain point where I want to know before they move on do they have it because maybe there's a sub skill that they need in order to be right. successful and so mm-hmm. it's almost like that backwards by design where you're thinking you know in in advance here's the here's the end goal mm-hmm. what are my checkpoints along the way and then you know, when the kids are at those points, that's when you can can check in mm-hmm. with them. I mean, that's a great point.
0: So what I'm hearing you guys say is that um, for me, if, if I'm a classroom teacher, um, a subtle shift that I can make towards personalized learning in this particular topic would be to um, provide maybe a window in which my students may take an assessment or within my lesson structure, maybe provide... Certain checkpoints so that I can check for understanding along the way um, instead of just, you know, waiting until the end to assess and then moving on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, all right, so Nadine, I'm gonna let you choose from the cut. Right. Shake them up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so this one says class meetings and undefined homeroom time is something taking place in the classrooms mm-hmm. already. Um, And I think a great shift and just along the lines of what Kristen is saying, it's really about intentionality and there are so many things that we're already doing and what can we really do to maximize on that. Um, And I think with class meetings and homeroom time, uh, working and having discussions with students about growth mindset, um, we talk about culture being key and we've had the opportunity to visit lots of schools and see how they really make this work in their context. Um, CREW has been one really neat initiative that different schools have put in place to build a family with homeroom time Mm -hmm. so that students feel safe to go back um, and talk through things with this with their their homeroom group Um, and they call them their crew Mm -hmm. so that's the crew that they go to when they're Mm -hmm. when they're stuck when they need help with something Um, and it could just even be personal things Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's really neat Um, I think this is also a great time to set the expectations for the day. Mm-hmm. Kids can set goals. Um, it's, an, it's a great entry point, I think, into setting goals. And it mm-hmm. can just even be, maybe it's a behavioral goal, mm-hmm. and that could even be um, how they're mm-hmm. gonna work on focusing in their attention a little bit more mm-hmm. throughout the day. Or maybe it's a goal of something, an end product, they really wanted to get finished for the day. So mm-hmm. I think those are cool things to interweave and then to follow up at. Um, with at the end of the day as well. And you can kind of celebrate some of the victories. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking of um, specifically in the m- middle school that I worked in prior to this being in this role. Um, and uh, they were wanting to phase in this idea of community mm-hmm. meetings um, in the morning with their middle school students. Mm-hmm. Um, And they were thinking about um, the importance of the culture piece like Nadine Mm -hmm. was talking about where if we're wanting to personalize learning and make it okay that everybody in our class learns in different ways, um, at different paces, that really taking the time during community meetings to learn about each other and what is similar and what's different learn to appreciate and, you know, know, learn about, you know, um, patience and empathy, Mm -hmm. um, really providing that safe space. Um, And so uh, one of the things they did at that school was they... um, to give it a little more um, structure, where students had more ownership, as they provided instead of the teacher mm-hmm. leading it, mm-hmm. sh- you know they turned it over to the kids, and they had roles, and they had you know facilitators, mm. and they wow. had you know attendance takers, and and at first, you know I think teachers thought, well, you know will they really be able to take over and do it? And eventually, you know they had where there were days where a substitute came in. And the kids just ran the morning meeting wow. because they were so invested in it and knew that that was a part of their culture, the way they, they did things. Mm-hmm. And then it permeated throughout their day because they were able to, you know, provide time for them to have those conversations to where later in the day, if, it's, if a classmate was struggling, they knew, oh, I can go over and help them because wow. they're in a different place. Yeah. So.
2: And that reminds me of just working with your students on what accountable talk looks like what Mm. it looks like to have a conversation to be a good listener Mm -hmm. so you're building on some of those soft skills as well
1: yeah and I would say for um for any uh teacher who's whether elementary middle or high if you're thinking about you know if this is a practice you already do um or you're not you, you haven't done it yet but you have the the concern of like getting kids engaged in the conversation. Um, I know that um, a lot of times uh, the the non-negotiables that you're in the circle and that you're listening and there's, you know, there's constraints or ground Mm -hmm. rules. Um, But beyond that, you know, eventually at the beginning, it might just be that, you know, the the willing participants are are having conversations. But eventually Mm -hmm. once, you know, people are getting comfortable, more and more people will talk. So it's not Mm a uh, everybody has to talk type of thing because then that kind of sabotages your culture. So Mm -hmm.
0: just really just creating a safe space for them. Yeah, and letting that process grow organically. Mm -hmm. I really like both of those Mm -hmm. ideas. All right, ladies, I'm gonna pull our next best practice. Okay, Um, this is one that um, I did a lot and I'm sure a lot of teachers do, student interest inventories. It's the Mm -hmm. beginning of the year and as (laughs) teachers we wanna know our students and so we give them the interest inventory and then unfortunately, speaking from personal experience, um, that inventory ends up in the back of my file cabinet (laughs) and we proceed with the rest of the class. (laughs) Um, So how could teachers, speaking on that that point that you both keep making, being more intentional, how could we intentionally shift that current practice to one that is more student-centered and more personalized for students? What do y'all think?
1: think one of the biggest shifts so I also did inventories a lot and I might have even honed in on their interests a whole lot thinking like yes if I can if I can work these interests into my math word problems I've yeah. got it but now obviously my <laughs> eyes have opened and I've seen seen the light um, and um, it's to me it's more about when I think about the connection to a learner profile and the fact that um, it's more about these that those inventories are supposed to help us us as teachers know um, our students, but it's also to help Mm -hmm. our our learners know themselves as learners. Mm -hmm. So one shift in the inventory, I mean, interests are great, you know, you don't have to leave that out, um, but maybe adding to it where you're looking at like, you know, what what type of environment do you work best in? Do you work work best when you're alone or when you're in a group? What do you feel like you're, so asking them questions about um, themselves as learners. um, And then I think to your point, Carrie, about like, Putting it in like filing cabinet and not looking at it. One thing that I, I, um, you know, would encourage people to do is, as learners are learning, they're growing, and so their learner profile is going to shift and change. And so, yeah. you know, maybe making intentional points in the year where you go back to your learner profile or to your inventories and say, you know, is this still true, or mm-hmm. should I like, you know, do mm-hmm. I need to update it a little bit? And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, really almost like a living document. Yeah. yeah,
2: and even bringing some of those conversations into, into conferences with mm-hmm. students when you're conferring mm-hmm. with them and setting goals. I think, just like adults, there are times when I was first asked, how do I learn best? I wasn't even sure.
0: Exactly. So
2: I think it's really neat that we're really trying to encourage kids to think about that, and I think it's a process. So Mm -hmm. most likely, if students haven't had experience doing this, Mm -hmm. they may not know how they learn Mm -hmm. best, and they might put some ideas down. Maybe the teacher helps generate some different ideas. Um, But now as the year is getting going and we're conferring, we're learning more about each other and the students also learning more about themselves. So mm-hmm. that's a great point. To, that should be a living document and, and hopefully in, in the moment on the spot you can say, hey, I think you just learned something about yourself. You mm-hmm. It seems like you really like to access content watching a video so you can go back to it. Let's put that on your profile. Mm. Um, so I think that w- that could be a great shift to that is just continuing to revisit it okay. and add on.
0: So a follow up question to that. Um, when, we in, when we're talking about um, learner profiles, um, what does a learner profile actually look like? I know that question comes up a mm-hmm. lot. Um, is there like one set way to do a, a learner profile or what are some examples that you all have seen in well, your work?
2: I think speaking of personalization and letting kids have a voice, you could let your students choose what their profile looks like and maybe you just have some constraints around some of the things that, that you'd really like to see in that profile. Um, we love when we can see um, students continue to add their data, mm-hmm. and knowing um, just so we know that they also know where they're at and where they need to go next. Um, those are a few a few things.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I had an early on when I was learning about learner profiles, I had a misconception that there was this magic template mm-hmm. um, that was a learner profile, right. and <laughs> that if I just got that template, I'd be good to go. You know, um, but then, um, but then I realized, you know, that the, I think the big shift for me was reminding myself that the learner profile is just. Um, an artifact that helps the learner know who they are as a learner so that they can continue to grow and learn and so um, like Nadine pointed out you know the whole idea behind personalization is being able to make it your own and so I've seen where some kids have I mean if you're looking at actual products I Mm -hmm. mean some kids um, could have it in a Google Doc some kids could have it in a journal it could be um, a presentation I've seen somebody do a video before Mm -hmm. Um, so it really the format um, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter so so much but going to Nadine's point about um, Making sure that if there are particular um, non-negotiables that you want in there so that they can think about themselves as a learner and so that the teacher also is aware of, you know, those Mm -hmm. those things, um, that that's okay to put those. And maybe, you know, maybe it's even, um, you know, um, good to have the kids help you brainstorm, like, what should be in their learning profile. Like, what do we need to know about ourselves Mm -hmm. as learners? Um, So I think those could be um, some good shifts and ideas behind, like,
0: what it actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, guys. We'll be right back. We are back with Kristen and Nadine, and so we're going to dive into a few more um, teacher best practices that we can make subtle shifts um, towards personalized learning. So I'm going to let um, Kristen choose one more, and then I'm going to let Nadine choose one more. All right.
1: Okay. So I picked the one that says teacher lesson followed by student practice. I do, we do, you do model.
2: Okay.
1: Um, So um, when I think about that one, um, it reminds me of obviously gradual release, um, the gradual release model. And um, that is definitely a best practice. So it doesn't, when we talk about um, personalized learning, it doesn't mean that that can't work anymore or that you get rid of it. Um, And I think that was, um, that's a potential misconception. Um, So I think the shift for me, if I was working with teachers, would be to get them to think about when is that gradual release Um, when does that fit into, um, the, the bigger picture of personalizing learning? So for example, um, I know when I first learned about that, I was thinking about like, I would be doing that whole group. Well, maybe now that we're not doing all whole group, could I do that same model with my small group? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so that I can still do the I do, we do, you do model, um, with, uh, with my small group or, or maybe even just asking the question, like who actually needs that um, particular um, lesson. Maybe there's some kids that can move on or have some other work to be working on to to kind of grow in their mastery and then I'm only doing it with a small portion of my class. Okay, Yeah. And I
2: think to that point it's how do you know who needs the lesson. Mm -hmm. So a prerequisite and I always strongly encourage and really because I see so much value in a Mm. pre-assessment. So you really do know who, who needs that specific lesson that day and who who doesn't maybe need that lesson, but they need something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really great point, and I think too this kind of lends itself to. I mean, there are so many different structures currently taking place too,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: We've got workshop model in classrooms. Um, some are doing some sort of small group work. We got station rotation, mm-hmm. and all of those, dependent on where you're at, right. um, I think, can be considered shifts, right? right? So even just going from whole group to some small group and independent work time is a shift. Mm-hmm. And then going from when they're maybe in the, in the independent work time, maybe you choose or you allow them to choose a couple different activities during that time. Mm-hmm. There's another shift. Yeah. Um, and now maybe instead of station rotation where they all move at the same time um, and everyone's doing the same thing, you start really rethinking pace. Mm-hmm. Do all students, maybe maybe they wanted to stay longer at that activity, and they were really engaged in it, and they were gaining a lot from it. Maybe they stay 25 minutes, mm-hmm. um, and maybe other kids they don't need that station or they only needed to be there for 10 minutes. Um, so I think it's just again when we talk about those subtle shifts, I think there's lots of opportunity there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and same with the workshop with workshop model. Um, if you're doing small small groups, um, workshop model is a great way to start introducing some more independence. Having a little bit more structure, hopefully, where that can kind of gradual release again, mm-hmm. you can help mm-hmm. your students gain more independence, and you're teaching those things along the way, so that in time, maybe there aren't any rotations at all, mm-hmm. right? And they get to choose based on goals that they've set personal to them.
0: Okay, and and I like what you said about pace. I think another um, interesting strategy that we're seeing used a lot. Um, is teachers recording their lessons online and then mm-hmm. allowing their students to kind of access content and access um, practice resources at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that paired with all the other things that y'all mentioned are great ways that a teacher can shift from just, you know, one lesson at the same time for every student mm-hmm. to more of a personalized approach. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great.
2: Alright, Nadine. Okay, so this one says icebreaker and get to know you activities and games. Okay. Uh, So, one cool suggestion, I think, um, to kind of make this even more personalized and get get, them, you know, make it the most effective that you can would be to establish um, maybe a classroom why and allow Mm. students to write their whys. We've actually had the opportunity to see this posted all over uh, Westview Elementary in Berkeley County is standing out to me and it was very inspiring to see what students' whys are and I think it was I think it's really really neat that as teachers we rethink what what is our why and what's our classroom why Mm -hmm. Um, but then also letting kids know and have I mean it so when we go to and we think about student investment which is really I think where we want that's what we want with personalized learning. We want mm-hmm. kids to be invested with their learning. We want them going home and being so excited about what they're doing that they want to continue learning. Now mm-hmm. they know how to learn, and they want to, they've want they thought of their own question to research, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this lends itself to that student investment.
1: Yeah, I like that why um, challenge as a... As an icebreaker and um, some other ones that I think about or some things that I think are important in terms of icebreakers is definitely not getting rid of them like we keep kind of saying right. um, but it's more like shifting in how we use them and one thing I think about regardless of what icebreaker you use taking the time to debrief the um, the process and why you're doing that icebreaker mm-hmm. so the why you know breaking down and debriefing the why or like even if you're doing like a little mini design challenge and, and with the kids as an icebreaker to get them to, to open up their minds and get their brains going, still debrief that and talk about why that's an, an important part of their culture or an important stepping stone for, for what they might be doing. Um, and so just so they can see the how and the why um, behind their shared culture. Okay.
0: Now I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> um, this whole conversation has made me think about something that we know to be very true. Um, Of course, when we're talking about personalized learning with educators, most of our focus is spent on students, um, meaning youth and kids and children. But we also know that adults are learners as well. So we don't have this in the cup, but I'm just making this up. (laughs) Um, So what do you think could be a subtle shift for a school or school leadership team who is accustomed to facilitating traditional professional development? So we see that a lot in schools where, you know, we'll have our meetings on Tuesdays, and we'll all come in at the same time, and we'll all get the PowerSchool training, and we'll all get the Google Mm -hmm. training. How could that format as it exists, how could that be shifted in a way that is personalized for teachers, for educators, as learners?
2: I think that's a really powerful um, thought because we talk about this in our office, and we know that not only do we want our students invested, but we really want our teachers invested. And I think modeling this for teachers is a way to also help buy-in if they experience it themselves. So there's definitely lots of opportunities to personalize professional development. Um, And I think one thing that will stand out to me probably forever that I heard from a principal at River Bluff, um, or actually I think maybe it was one of the participants at our inquiry lab had said, instead of thinking what's the worst that can happen, right? Like, well, what if all my teachers don't get this information then? And what if this and what if that? To really think about, well, what's the best that could happen? Um, And how far could a a teacher really grow when we don't limit them? Hmm. Um, And we let them, because they know themselves best, choose their path. Um, So I think that that's I probably would really have to, as a leader, preface that for myself, too. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's just really think, have, um, think the best about my, my staff mm-hmm. um, and definitely just give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I think it's a great way to help teachers get invested is when they first experience it. I think they'll understand a little bit more of what, it's, what impact it can make for their kids then, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so one, th- one small shift um, that I tried with my teachers in the beginning when I realized, um, you know, we've got teachers that are in different places. Some are newer teachers, some are more veteran teachers, um, and they all have different capacities. Um, and so one of the things we tried, um, just a simple shift, was instead of having one PD that everybody came to, like either monthly or weekly or whatever it was, um, was we provided um, three options. Um, they were all in line with our our school vision though so it's not mm-hmm. like they were in polar opposite directions but then they um then they had a chance to choose which um which area of focus that they wanted to uh, be a part of, and they had to commit to it for a semester. Um, and so then they became a little cohort that they, you know, came back and revisited with us um, each time, and continued to grow and learn. And at the end, they needed to kind of share out um, with with everybody what their what their learning was from that um, from that small group. Mm-hmm. I've also seen um, where um, at a at a very you know advanced level where mm-hmm. they create almost like a choice board um, for for. You know teachers and say um here here are some different things um you need to get do five of them you know the must do you must do five of them and um, mm-hmm. you can do more and i've seen that, you know done that way um i've also seen if, if schools are doing book studies already if the book study lends itself to where um you have Um, if there are sections of the book that are again aligned to school vision and district vision but just um, go on slightly different tangents where you could say okay um, if you're most interested in this section of the book study um, we're going to form a little cohort and we're Mm going to do some you know um, action research around this and so Mm -hmm. i've seen it done that way where like nadine's you know pointing out where the the teacher can really buy into what most matters to them but it's still tied to Mm -hmm. what the school is trying to work on Mm -hmm. Um, so I think those are a couple different ways you know that you can go at it to try and shift it because it is really important that the teachers have that same personalized learning experience as well
0: yeah thank you ladies so much Um, I really enjoyed this conversation it was very rich Um, before we go though could you all tell um, our listeners how they can contact you if they'd like to reach out
2: Uh, You can contact me through email or by phone at the office. Um, We would love to support you in absolutely any way. Uh, We've been happy to plan PD with people, um, work alongside teachers. Um, This truly is the work that we love, so don't hesitate to reach out at any point.
1: Yeah, and if you need to contact um, me, my um, email is klogan at ed.sc.gov, and my Twitter handle is at keeps 727 Um, so hopefully I will see you on there.
0: All right, ladies. Well, um, we are done here, but for my listeners, we'll be back to close things out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Personalized Learning team by visiting our website, personalizesc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!